you're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. Welcome, go-to-market leaders. Have you heard about Inbound coming up again in 2021? There are over 70,000 global attendees that's going to come in for marketing, sales, and customer success. Should be fun. If you don't know Inbound, Inbound is hosted with love by HubSpot, and I'm again partnering up with them this year to share the love across the board. So if you want to grab your ticket, you are in the right in place. I have a code for you. It's called Future CMO. You get 15% off and you can register for uh, the LinkedIn conference. Again, the show notes, you'll have all the details. Go to inbound.com, register, use the code Future CMO. It is one of the best events that happen on the planet. Boom. All right, folks, just tell us where you're from. And today, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is this idea of how to become a CMO. And uh, some of you already know, I have a group that I started around emerging CMOs and CMOs. And uh, one of the things I asked, like, who do you want me to interview? And there were two folks that came up loud and clear. One, who I'm going to interview today, Mayur. Uh, Gupta, and he, he just started a new gig, and we're going to talk about all of that, uh, but also we're going to bust some myths around what it means to be a CMO and what path and career paths and those kind of things. But then I'm also going to interview CMO of Gong, Udi, who, who is incredible at what they've done with the brand, brand Gong, um, literally hitting records in every single way. And then we're going to have um, my good friend, um, here, here is another one, Sean Herring who is actually crushing it with inbound in such a way that he's like, I'm not sure if I need outbound. So he's like totally challenging the conventional wisdom of what, what it means. But today, here's my friend Mayur, who has been a CMO for many different great brands. And what's interesting is that I feel he just has a pulse on marketing that very few people get to. So we're going to bust some myths and we're going to jump right into it. So Mayur, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Sangram. Thanks for having me over. Absolutely, dude. Well, first of all, as I said, in the peak community that, that we started a few weeks ago, uh, there are folks who said, hey, you got to get this guy. He's writing every day about certain things, and it's really cool. And again, your, your pedigree around becoming a CMO at many different organizations is really cool. So I'm going to embarrass you for a minute and share what I read about you, and then, uh, then let you share a little bit more, more about yourself. So first of all, Dude, you have been a CMO at Spotify and executive positions at uh, Kimberly Clark, IBM. Uh, you were on multiple different boards. Uh, you were at Freshly as a CMO, not at Gannett. Um, so we'll talk about that. How did you kind of got into that role? Uh, but really, your experience has been at Sapien Nitro for about 10 years or so. Um, you won 40 under 40. I don't know how much of that is still legit. Uh, give, you know, 40, 40 or not, are you still 40 under 40? Uh, because I'm no longer 40 under 40. No, I cannot even apply for that uh, because of how old I'm getting. Uh, but you also are not a typical CMO that most people talk about coming in from a traditional marketing background. You, you are someone who completely broke through the ceiling of what it means to be a marketer and then became a CMO of some of the most well-known brands in the world. 
So with that, man, I, I just want to, one, get you to share, like, what is it that makes you a better marketer? Well, first of all, thank you. Thanks uh, for having me and thanks for uh, that pre-elaborate uh, description. Uh, um, sometimes I, I hope my wife could hear it so she knows how I have to do something. But um, Oh, I, I wish my kids would hear it sometimes. I know, I know them. Yeah, like I would actually have my kids sometimes be here with me and just sit down with the whole code. I'm like, you just need to sit down and hear this podcast I'm doing. And they would like roll their eyes and, and I'm like, okay, maybe someday they will recognize yes. that I just talk. I actually have some, some value to add. That's, that's great. Maybe the next one we do it over the weekend. So <laughs> I don't have to get their schools off. But look, to be honest, I'm not sure if, if I'm really a better marketeer, but, but you're right about one thing that it's uh, my journey has been a bit unusual. and. Uh, and to be very candid, I can't take credit for the journey because it was very much accidental and coincidental in many ways. So I very briefly, because that sets the context, I, I grew up in India. I'm a major in computer science. First few years of my career were just very hardcore engineering. You know, I was a, a C++ then Java JDB developer. Any Indian kids during my time were. <laughs> That's if you wanted a job. The stereotype, as as very, I would be called. Yeah. Very, very. I was, I was literally that. And uh, my decisioning was either I was going to play cricket for India or I was going to get a job. And in a middle class family, you don't have the courage. At least I didn't have, and we chose academics. So I left cricket, just got into got into that. The pivot for me, and that was all at Sapien. I started in India, came to the US in two thousand two. The pivot for me came in 2005 when Sapien acquired an ad tech product called BridgeTrack PGI in, in Miami. And um, one of my mentors, I'm again, very uh, grateful for, asked me to be a product lead. So I literally got from building uh, technology solutions for all kinds of, you know, telecom and all kinds of players and verticals to building products for marketing and advertising. So and literally, I would go back to the hotel because I was traveling and I would go to Wikipedia. That was where you could learn marketing for dummies. We didn't have all the books that you publish now. And uh, I would try and understand what is a pixel? You know, what is a publisher? Um, my understanding of advertising was as a kid, what I saw on TV, you know, on television. And it was it. But since then, I've taken these baby steps. And then the second pivot came and I finally left Sapien actually after 12 years or so to join Kimberly Clark. Uh, as a chief marketing technologist reporting into the CMO, which in itself was, again, uh, a, a symptom or a reflection of the change the industry was going through, where marketing and technology and data and science just got intertwined. You could not isolate it uh, anymore. Marketing since 2007 became all about growth. You know, uh, Facebook came out, iOS, uh, and everything kind of changed from the pure place, serendipitous marketing of 30, 40 years, which was all about top of funnel. I'm wider and stronger than, than the other guy. I'm unique, just like the other guy kind of marketing to 10 years of digital confusion in the 2000s to then 2007, eight onwards, it was growth at all costs kind of marketing. So that's been the evolution. But I would say if I would summarize it in my career, it was the first half of my career was no clue, no point of view. And purely tech, data, science, that's how I grew up. The last, the second half has been trying to have a perspective and blend that data and science and growth with the serendipity and the irrationality. Because at the end, you are engaging with humans and they just don't want a binary conversation. Yeah. Do you want one area that 
when I, I remember you speaking at MarTech Conference with Scott Brinker. Uh, this was, I think, in 2015, uh, if I'm not sure. And then I remember you, 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 were, you were one of the people who were doing a keynote at that conference. And I was like, wait a minute, what is this B2C guy? doing a keynote at a B2B conference at MarTech. And I think that was the first year or second year or something like that. And since then, as I followed your journey, and I've realized that the lines couldn't be more blurred around these two things. And then I saw you moving into Spotify. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, that's just a completely different animal, a, a different scale altogether. And so, and, but at Kimberly Clark, I mean, you were doing something else. So, Help me rec- understand and, and, and folks like jumping over here. There's a lot of folks from Peak Community. I just want to give a shout out to a couple of folks because I want you, you to share how you moved from being at Sapien Nitro for 10 years into this gigantic companies at a, at a sea level, which is something that most people can not even dream of. So as I give a shout out to uh, Tandy, good to see you. Amber, this is something that you asked for. So here you go. Jen, Casey, Caddy, Todd, like tons of, you can see all these people as well. Kelly, really cool. Um, Jim, Karthik, lots of folks joining in. So thanks for joining in and dropping your questions that you have from me and I around just how to become a CMO and flat out a better marketer uh, and your journey, your questions, your curiosity. This is more just directly answering those questions. So how did you take the jump from being at Sapien Nitro to these gigantic companies? How did that come about? Yes. Um, obviously, tactically, a lot of things, a lot of things happen, which is very, very um, atypical. Um, I actually do want to shout out um, for uh, Scott Brinker. You mentioned I, I must say um, Scott Brinker has been a mentor to me, and he will mm-hmm. never agree to that. But uh, I met him in 2012 or so, and um, he's played a big role in in laying the foundation for me on how I think about technology in a very different way. So I, I just wanted to recognize that and the impact he's had in my career. Um, but look, say from Sapien to Kimberly Clark was the toughest choice I made professionally in my career because, again, when you spend 10 plus years in an organization, that's all you know, and you're very safe and uh, you're, you're very comfortable. But the big pivot for me, which I now apply as, uh, as a principle for any function, especially marketing, because marketing has been one function that has been disrupted the most amongst the, the C-suite, right? Like product engineering has evolved a lot, but no function has single-handedly evolved, disrupted itself as much as marketing in the last um, 10 years. And when I say marketing, I kind of converge it with sales because I think in, uh, in a digital world, marketing and sales aren't isolated anymore. So... The big thing for me was making a choice, a personal choice. This is somewhere late in 2011 that I was going to challenge myself uh, to do everything I was afraid of, that I had, a, I had a fear in me. So that included everything from reading to writing to speaking to learning finance to, to really learning storytelling. Um, and, and that opened up. And then one conversation led to the other. Somebody you know, from Kimberly Clark reached out and I had no clue about the world at that time. So when Kimberly Clark reached out, I thought they were recruiting for me. I didn't even know what Kimberly Clark was <laughs> until I saw, oh, Huggies. Now I, so I was so ignorant, you know, back then. But it was a very hard decision to leave because I was going into such a um, discomfort zone for myself. But mm. that was a pivotal point. And then since then, you know, I was fortunate enough to have met 
Seth Fobman, you know, who's been another mentor. He was, a C- he was actually the CMO at Spotify. I was never the CMO. I was, I reported into him and I led growth and, and marketing and marketing sciences. And uh, he and I met, you know, we, we both, again, very fortunate. We both sat in IBM advisory board and um, mm-hmm. um, we, we really connected well. And when he left from Gap to Spotify, he was building his own team and uh, it took us an year and a half or so to to really connect the dots, but uh, enjoy enjoy the journey at Spotify. And I think that is the Kimberly Clock onwards. Sangram is when I really started to understand that marketing and building businesses today is all about outcomes. It is not about outputs. But when you when you grow up on the other side of the fence, you know, in service providers, agencies, tech consulting. You are taught to be a hammer, you know, where everything looks like a nail. That's a revenue model. You know, it's, it's right. material. So every minute counts and you're creating work, right? You get paid to have a hundred slides in a deck. That's how you get paid. When you go to the other side of the fence, you realize that you only have two slides. And if you can't tell your story in those two slides, then you still don't know it well enough. It's that, you know, Einstein quote that if you can't explain it simply, you don't know it well enough. And so that was a journey for me to really understand how do you evolve from a technologist who's building technology and product for the sake of it to not applying technology, data, science, storytelling together to inspire a human behavior. And I've learned that from incredible leaders and marketeers in those big organizations who were not trying to give you a tactical tool as a consumer. They were trying to inspire you to take an action that was meaningful first and foremost for you in your life. And then inevitably for the business. Well, I hope everybody's catching up on this because you mentioned at least four or five different people as part of your journey that were your mentors. And you, you didn't do that because you're thinking about it. You just do that because that seems like a key part of your journey is having mentors like Scott Brinker, the person at CMO at Spotify, uh, the, per- you, the fact that you were on the board with, the, with him on the IBM advisory board. And then other CMOs along, other folks along the way. So I would ask everybody to tag their mentor in here and just let them know how important they are in your journey. And if you don't have a mentor, get one. Uh, and, 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 and I want to take a minute and talk about how does a good mentor relationship blossom? Because it, it can be just, hey, I want more out of you because you are there, so now I need to get more out of it. There is more to it than that. And a lot of people don't know how to get a, how to one, find a great mentor and two, how to nurture that relationship so that it doesn't feel heavy handed on one side. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great life question. And um, look, I'm, I practice Buddhism. I practice Michigan Buddhism. And the, the foundation of that is what's called the oneness of mentor and disciple. So, mm. um, I think when you speak to some of the names I shared here and many more, actually, uh, they may say, oh, no, no, they, they're, they're not really the mentor. But that is, you know, their humility. But I feel one thing that I've learned through the Buddhist philosophy is there are strengths and growth areas in every individual. And I think this is one lesson I've learned the hard way. When you're working in a professional environment, everyone's trying to run 100 miles an hour. I think most days for the most part. And we often look at what somebody else could do better. You know, what is missing in my boss, in my leader? What is missing in my peer? What is missing in people in my team? Um, what we often ignore is what are their strengths and uh, mm-hmm. what can we learn from each one of them? And I think I learned eventually in my career that there is so much to learn, even from the toughest people, even from the toughest situation. And that is the important part, not as much what's great and what's working because you got that. 
but what do you take away from the moments that challenge you? So I think for me, it's been amazing because one, these are incredible people. They are selfless. And uh, what makes that relationship work is, uh, you know, when the mentors are trying to make you better than who they are and, and uh, they're inspiring you to surpass, you know, where they reached. Uh, not that I've gotten anywhere close to that. These guys are all legends. Um, but that's, that's been, that's been the case. And I think as a, you know, as someone who's on the receiving side, it's just soaking it all in every single day and uh, not focusing on the glass half empty, but the glass half full. Love it. Love it, dude. All right. So last folks joining in over here from Peak Community uh, and just the LinkedIn community as well is around like, wait a minute, how do I become a CML? Now, one of the things that I've shared and you, you, you dropped in a few nuggets already around the fact that you need to have a relationship with your CFO. You need to have a relationship with your sales team. It's one nice of all of that. But imagine I'm a, 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 a great content writer, right? Like just I'm a good content marketer. That's what I do. Um, I'm in three or four years into marketing now. And I'm so good at it that everyone asks me to write more content. <laughs> yeah. And I've become this content machine. And that's what all I do. And now, if I want to become a CMO, it almost feels like it's incredibly bleak because I don't have exposure to all those other things. I, I feel like this is, I've become a specialist. And one of my biggest grievances with a lot of great marketers is that, look, if you, are, you become a really good specialist, you will become a director of, or VP of that particular function, maybe in a bigger company, but you, you probably will not become a CMO because you're missing out on a lot of other things that you need to think about. So I'm curious if you, as you advise other folks in marketing to become a CMO, what are the things that you tell them to focus on, uh, especially if they are a specialist in a role? Yes. Um, well, first and foremost, I would say there is no single pathway. So just have the confidence in whatever you're doing, as long as you're enjoying it and you're learning something new every day or every week or every month, you're on the right path. Sometimes we just put too much pressure on ourselves, and including myself, I, I used to. Um, and then you realize, look, all these are building blocks and we all are carving out our own unique journey. So, um, and I'm saying it because I did not do that for many years. I would look at everybody else and look at their journeys and trying to figure out, well, how do I use that? Yeah. Um, you have enough gray hair where you realize that, look, I have to carve out my own path because the opportunities and the obstacles are all unique to our own self. But very tactically to that example of being a specialist, two things are very obvious in marketing today. The marketing is not the same as marketing was five years back, 10 years back, absolutely 15 years back. That mm -hmm. we don't have to, marketers are no longer, you know, um, a vertically shaped people or skill set. It has to be almost like a tree where you go deep in one area, but then it blossoms this way, right? So. Mm -hmm. uh, Whatever uh, geometric shape that is, you know, uh, multi-pie shape, you know, where you go deep in a few areas, but you really go deep in, in one where you have your roots somewhere. So the second aspect is I almost look at marketing as a medical profession where yeah. there never be a dearth of viruses in the environment. And what better time to use that analogy than now, which means that as a medical profession, you always have to figure out new vaccines. You're constantly learning. So if you're in that profession, you're constantly learning. You're evolving yourself because that's a never-ending cycle. I feel marketing, like most functions, but specifically in marketing, that is it. 
If you focus on content, brilliant, because you've got to have your roots somewhere. But then you've got to challenge yourself. How do I understand data? And what does that mean? How do I understand finance? How do I understand media? Because one of the biggest fallacies in marketing, unfortunately, in the last 12 years or so is media has eaten, you know, the reach of paid media, the reach of dollar has eaten the serendipity of great storytelling and content. Because unfortunately, because of the platform that has worked. So how do you as a content specialist understand the nuance of media and, and, and kind of amplify it and not think about it as, as an either or? So there is no first next thing. So it's not like, oh, I'm content. What is the next thing I should do? Don't worry about that. The key is ultimately you will need to connect all these pieces because marketing today is, you know, is this integration of a lot of different parts. That's why Incredible marketeers are now actually becoming presidents and CEOs. Look at who, yeah. you know, look at Chibani, look at so many examples because they, there is one thing that that function gives you, which is different from others. It truly puts, makes you put the human and the customer at the center because that's how you groomed yourself. But what, we, what marketeers are learning is now how to put the business around it. Because if you're only customer obsessed, but you don't create an impact on the business. It's a very short-term journey. Yeah. If you only understand the business and you don't understand the human, um, it is also a short-term journey. Mm. I love this, man. So I, I got to give a shout out to, because you just touched on something that uh, Mike Bikini, who is also on it. Hey, Mike, love it that you're in here. I uh, said, so totally agree. If you're not sharpening your sword, you're, you're dulling it, standing still. Is being is left behind. I love that, and so he's a CMO at Revenue uh, Analytics, um, also in the Peak CMO Group. And Dirk, he's the CMO of Reflective. Um, he said the one thing my, his mentor taught him is, "Show me, don't don't tell me." So it's awesome that some of the folks are here. But here's a here's a question that uh, Kelly put out there that I wanted um, us to riff on. It says, in her opinion, the transformation of marketing has enabled the department and discipline to read. Uh, to really lead corporate strategy because marketing is the convergence of customer needs and product development. A lot of what you just, just mentioned. Can you talk about how you personally play a role in corporate strategy from a, a CMO perspective? Yes, um, that's a great, great point and a great question. I think it can go in so many directions. Look, one is I also want to be very clear that while marketing has evolved, marketing plays a big role, but marketing in isolation cannot move the needle. So uh, one of my, I have many biggest takeaways. So you'll hear me say one of my biggest takeaways, but because there's so many, especially in the last five years is the only way you are successful as a marketeer. Um, besides all the things, yes, you got to understand the consumer data, storytelling, all that. But the foremost thing in ground reality or on ground reality is relationships within your organization. The biggest battle marketers are fighting today is the balance between short-term win and long-term successes every single day. So if you ask me, what is the one thing that is troubling someone sitting on brand, someone sitting on media, someone sitting on growth uh, or any team, it's all about that. How do I balance? Because yes, we want to build a brand, but I only have $100 and everybody wants me to spend the entire $100 on, on something which is absolutely addressable, which is lower funnel direct response. You know, that's a Mickey Mouse game. If I keep doing that, I'm actually tarnishing my brand. So how do I ever get to do this, which I really want to do because that's what the consumer is asking. The only way you do that besides strategies and tactics and all that is your horizontal relationships. And marketers amongst 
amongst that entire C-suite have to play that role because that's the function that has is very different uh, from everybody else. And the reason why that impacts is because everybody else has not yet understood the expectation from marketing today. From marketing today, the so marketing truly has an internal marketing challenge today, and that's where we have to focus a lot. Yeah. To coming back to the question on corporate strategy, I think that's where marketers have to bring back to the table. One, be the strongest advocate for the customer. But here is the part that we often haven't done in the last 20 years, which is why marketing has become also a bit of a stigma. The word brand has become a bit of a stigma in many product-led companies because they think, oh, that means this money ain't coming back. The, the opportunity to shape corporate strategy is then proving with data the incremental impact of that customer obsession of those strategies to the business. That's where, you have, that's where art and science converge itself, where you have to use the understanding of your data to say, if I'm going to invest 10 out of those $100 on top of funnel to build the brand on that serendipity, in three months, I'm going to be able to get some leading signals to say, this is how it actually improves the retention rate. By the way, this is how it will eventually improve the bottom line because that increases LTV and increases my gross margins, things like that. So that, you know, connecting purpose with profitability and business, connecting brand with performance, when we bring that to the table, that then starts to influence a corporate strategy. It, it, it is, it, it's not lost on me, Mayur, when you talk about this thing, the idea of relationship, as you mentioned, gosh, I, I feel like marketing is for to your point where in a sales role i can tell anybody okay well if you meet your quota you'll become a sales manager if you do a sales good job of sales manager you can become a vp of sales if you do great at that you can become a CRO. Uh, you can do that in the customer success heck both of us coming from technology background you can do that in engineering all day long doesn't mean you'll be a great manager but there is a path laid out for you and when you started saying that look there is really no path laid out for you from a marketer, it is not guaranteed you're a good content marketer, you'll become a VP, you'll become a CMO at all. As a matter of fact, as you pointed out very astutely, that marketing is actually pulled in almost every single direction. I remember, especially in my CMO days at Parlot, Salesforce, and even at Terminus now as an evangelist, but still as a, when I talk to Derek, who's a CMO, like, okay, the product adoption is not working. CMO, what can we do there? Might do something, right? Oh, sales is not driving enough demand. Mark, marketing, what are you doing? Where is the top of the funnel? Oh, we're not closing enough deals. Wait a minute, what's happening at the bottom of the funnel? And so marketing is pulled in every single direction. And the tension that comes with it to balance, as you said, the, the short-term goals of like, let me focus on this deal and change and all of my messaging and, and detail and create copy for that particular deal because we have to close those in order to meet our numbers to this idea of creating this above life experience and brand messaging that will bring in a long-term customer. It's a constant daily struggle. Yeah. In, in, as you think about this and as you say, well, you, you have to build these relations to build it. What are some of the, the key roles that you have to build the strongest relationship with in yeah. order to do that? Yes, I think um, well, it, it also is, is a little bit influenced and determined by the nature of the organization. Are you a, a product company? Are you CPG? Because marketing plays different roles in those organizations. If you're a CPG, still a traditional model, you know, not selling direct-to-consumer, marketing is the growth engine. If you're a CPG and direct-to-consumer, then marketing you know, absolutely is directly connected, a lot more data. If you're a tech product company, 
where your product and the online world is all intertwined. Then it's a very different relationship that, and a very different role that marketing plays. In companies like Uber and Spotify, marketing plays a very different role than, let's say, in Away, which is a direct-to-consumer you know, wellness brand, as they would call it. So that is important. But I think if you very simply, marketing and product are massively intertwined, uh, wherever and however they pull and push, because um, at the end, the journey, the way I think about the three Ps is collectively together as an organization, you define your purpose. That is the why behind why you exist. We all get that. Um, hopefully, everybody tries to live through that every single function. But marketing's responsibility is to translate that purpose in some kind of a promise, right? That is all storytelling and brand. And whether it is top of funnel and lower funnel, I mean, that in itself is a question and a big topic that we'll, we'll love to talk about. But that's that's the promise you made. And then you have to deliver that promise through product and the experience. And that is not just a physical or the online product. That also means a communication that happens once you've come into my ecosystem. Mm. At the end, the closer these three things are, the stronger your business is, the stronger your product market fit is, the stronger your relationship with your, with your customer, your consumer is. The further away these things are, the higher turn you will have because there is a shock and awe effect that you're giving to the consumer. Hey, I gave you, I thought this is what you guys were doing, but you're, you're not really telling me that. Well, you told me that, but you're not really giving me that. And at the end of the day, that is what, so as a marketer, you have to connect those pieces and that's where you have to build the relationships. And needless to say, the biggest shift in marketing is 40 years of marketing being a cost center to now last 10 years marketing being a growth center, which means that you've got to have a very strong relationship with your CFO because most likely the CFO is coming with some chips on the shoulder from that 40-year period. You know, maybe they, they're young, so they have five, six years, but they have the stigma. Oh, yeah. oh, my CMO is just going to spend the money. I know it ain't coming back. They can't even measure it. Right? Many of them still have that. So this goes back to the point that as marketers, I think the ball is clearly in our court. I hear a lot of people who will say, oh, they're not giving me this. I'm not getting this budget. And what I challenge them is, what can you do for free? You have organic channels. You have the leverage of storytelling. You have access to the customer. So think, start there. The unfortunate part is the influence of media in the last 15 years has handcuffed us, right? We've We've used media as a clutch. So when you don't have money, we all feel we can't do anything. And that's why, one last point, Sangra, COVID has been such a blessing in disguise. It's unfortunate, so I'm not minimizing the impact. But in this function, one thing COVID did was took marketing and marketeers back to the roots. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the basics, which is have empathy, listen, you know, have compassion, don't just sell. And because COVID allowed the CEOs and the boards to say, yes, let's shut off the habit, you know, and the, um, the infatuation with same day gratification of paid media and lower funnel to saying, okay, we're not doing that now because we don't want to be toned that, hey, we'll get hammered on social. So step back, just listen to your customer, you know, ask them what they need, um, you know, and things like that. So I hope that that part of this experience in the last five months as marketeers and leaders, we take along with us because at the end, that is what the consumers need. That's what they will remember. Um, yeah. That's what they will talk about. So, so about that, uh, Megan Eisenberg, uh, who all, you also know very well, she's the CMO of uh, Trip Actions now. Uh, we just had hired her to be on our board um, at, at Terminus. And I remember in the first, they're in the travel business. Yeah. 
So think about that. Like the, as soon as COVID hit, they had to shut off all of their messaging and change all of their messaging and nurture programs and everything they ever got to, is to talk about buy tickets or we got the best prices because nobody's flying to, hey, we are here when you need us. And they partnered up with another company and agency that gave uh, businesses access and information to when the things are helping and working in, in that industry. And for about four months, they said, they put their heads down and said, we're going to focus on brand building. We're going to focus on relationships outside of our business and not look at revenue as our driver. If for four or five months, that's what they have been doing. And now that now the flights are starting to get back up, they're back into it. But that's, they have to make that conscious choice. So you're right. Like it allowed us to, to pause. Uh, the other thing, I think you reminded me of this, and this is something I take to heart big time, which is that constraints actually are a gift. Yeah. If you really, really, I mean, as, as you think about it, I remember in the early days of Tromis, like we didn't have money. We didn't have, I think we did some of the best marketing campaigns and thing, the, the whole flip my funnel thing started because nobody would give us the money. Like nobody would sponsor it. So we actually had to get our, uh, our competitors to sponsor our own event. And that led us to build an industry conference as opposed to a user conference. And if we didn't have that constraint, if yeah. we would have raised $10 million like some of the other folks did, we would have built our own conference and, and just spend that money um, in the name of like, yeah, that's what marketing does. Um, let me ask you this, uh, share this question from Shannon over here. What do you think is the next big challenge for CMO? <laughs> this is about um, the most, like, all right, you got to think about this question every day. Um, look, I think, um, I think uh, the, the current, I think, I don't know if it's next, but I think this is what we have in hand. Uh, you know, on our hands right now that uh, I'm sure everybody on this uh, uh, this conversation right now is thinking about is ultimately how do I show true impact of marketing on the business, on the customer? And you take one layer off, underneath it means how do I show the amplification of um, a great brand, an authentic and a purpose-driven brand to very quantitative impact on numbers? Like mm. that's, that's the biggest, as marketing and very specific to marketing, the biggest challenge that we have that we're trying to figure out is how do you show that? It's not an either or game anymore. It's an mm -hmm. and. and. And it's not an, and I don't say that by saying just shut your eyes and now spend on brand. Maybe you shouldn't at all if you're in very early stage of your existence. Take every single dollar to, to acquire that user because at that point, user is your brand. That's what the brand is. You know, when they're on the streets, when they're talking to, your, to their friends, they are a reflection of who you are. And when you grow a little bit, then your data becomes your brand. Your product is your brand. Um, and as you evolve, then you start to consciously building that and investing in it. But at the end, I think what market, as marketers, we all have to believe and understand it. We are not the owners of the brand. We are merely the orchestrators of the brand. Everybody in the organization, every single person owns that brand. And and what we have to do is how do I leverage every single lever in my toolkit? So which means that every tweet I send, every acquisition asset I have, every email that I send, how does that reflect the brand so that we kill these silos that we've created within marketing itself? Because oftentimes we talk about, hey, marketing and product don't get along. Marketing and finance don't get along. Let's solve what's inside marketing. Does your acquisition team work very closely with the brand and the creative team? You know, is your storyteller, are your storytellers getting access to that data and insight that can really make them understand the consumer better so then they can really influence the behavior by the stories they are telling? 
I think if you can connect those pieces, then it truly becomes an impact function, an outcome function, and not an output function. Love it. Love it. I love it, man. All right. So staying true to it, I took more notes than I, I possibly could. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share three big highlights, maybe four. I guess there's a lot here, um, but I'll, sh- I'll do a whole deep brief in the peak community. So if, if anybody wants access to it, just ask any, anyone who is here. Most of the folks are in the peak community and, and it's invite only, so they, will, they can have the link for you. But here are my, here are my big takeaways. Number one, you mentioned this, and I don't want this to anybody to miss this at all. Mentorship. I think everybody needs that. And, and you, as a person, probably can also mentor somebody. I think a lot of people think, and I'm hearing this more often now uh, than, uh, than before, which is this idea of reverse mentoring, where I, I talk to the interns, and I always hire interns because interns are the best way to get the work done, quite honestly, so that they're not in meetings like all of us all day. But also, they can talk and share things that you're like, oh, that's what's happening. So this don't, I would highly recommend everything, like take Mayur's point around mentorship really seriously. Write, write down the names of people who your mentors, you want mentors to be, and you don't have to go physically talk to them every day. I think if I heard you right, Mayur, you're following these people, you're connecting with these people, but it's not like you're having a daily conversation with them. You're you're just being very observant around it. And in some cases, you're having those more deeper relationships. So I would create this virtual board of directors for, our, for yourself that you want to surround yourself. And they all are now more online and more sharing their thoughts. And, and this is a great example of it. So hopefully for to some, but you're, you're, you are the, the mentor already for them. The second point of the many points you made was around this idea of focusing on outcomes over outputs. Huge, huge idea, huge. I know you wrote about this a few weeks ago too. And I was like, man, that's a really, really good way to think about it. It's like, take the time and route. What are you trying to do? What is the end game? What is the end in mind for you? And if people can figure out what that end in mind is, then you can actually go in and have a conversation around uh, output, but figure out what the outcome needs to be. That's, that's a great one. And I, I want to, you to end on a challenge for, for everybody. Um, so be thinking about that. Number three, I think in many ways, when I ask the question around, like, how do you become a, uh, a CMO or even Shannon's question, what is the next big challenge for CMOs? I think in many ways, what I'm hearing is this idea of connecting the dots for everybody in the organization and also for the consumer. Because as a marketer, to your point, we have more access to data, information, and the pulse if we, that, than any time or any place else or any other function in the business. So in many ways, to your other point you just mentioned, CMOs and marketers are becoming the CEOs of organization. Heck, Terminus is a great example. Tim Kopp, he was the CMO of Exact Target and now is the CEO of Terminus. Um, you think about the, 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 the CEO of Harley Davidson is a marketer. They just hired, right? So, so you're starting to see this mix. So if you're a marketer, like give it to yourself, like by, because you're by yourself probably right now. So it's a big deal to be a market. It's probably the best time to be a market. And then the, the one, the, the last part that you just dropped as, as, you, as you were dropping the mic there was this idea that we're not the owners of the brand. We're the orchestrator. Oh, I love that. We're not the owners of the brand. We are the orchestrators of the brand, which means don't try to control, don't try to be the brand police in, in many ways, but almost like understand, listen, empathize all the things that you just mentioned around what is the brand perception so you can actually take it to the next level. And, and, 
and articulate that in a bigger way. So now everybody recognizes it. So I really love that point. So I'm going to, again, summarize all that in the peak community uh, shortly. Uh, but Mir, I'd love for you to give, one, your summary and maybe a challenge for everybody who are trying to become a better marketer today. Um, well, first of all, you, you summarize it beautifully. And, and when you said it, um, it sounded much better. Um, so <laughs> hopefully you can send me that. But you said it, I just repeated it. Oh, well, that's, that's great. I appreciate it. Um, there are two things. I, um, I'm glad you mentioned a couple of things. And, and I want to clarify because these are mistakes I, may, I have made. So on the point of mentorship, I think one point you made, which is extremely important, is don't go, please don't go look out for a mentor and ask somebody to be a mentor. Because I can tell you, they are struggling for bandwidth. Yes. But the point that Sangra made is the true mentorship happens implicitly. And it's on you more than it's on them, right? Because they, yes, you can ask three questions, but what we all learn from incredible people and leaders is by observing and listening. And, and that's why I can bet you that each one of us will have at least one or two mentors in the place where you work already. Yeah. Sometimes we undervalue people around us because that's who we spend time with. And we think, oh, no, they, they don't get it. And you look at the half glass, half empty. Please, I first encourage you to find incredible leaders where you are. And then, of course, you will have relationships outside. Um, so that, that's one suggestion. And again, this is a mistake that I have made myself. Um, second is outcomes and outputs is very important and very tactical application of that is if you are in, a, in an organization and, and if you are somebody who's responsible for XYZ type of campaigns, even though I'm, I'm not a big campaign fan, I'm more of an always on thinker. But if you are, challenge yourself to not celebrate the launch of that campaign and not even announce it. Announce the results of that, whatever you decided for that to be. And, and obviously, in your comments, if, I would love to hear how many campaigns you've seen where you actually had the market you shared. Here was the impact. Here is what we had set to do. Here is the impact. What I have often seen is more the celebration. The campaigns lie. But that doesn't mean anything, neither to the business nor to the customer. Um, and then the last point, brand as the owner, is also important. Um, one thing I will, I will say there is the success for marketeer in organizations that we all work on is how do you make every single person a reflection of that brand? How do, how do you have a product engineer talk about the brand with the same eloquence and storytelling the way, the way a true brand model? That's the epitome of success because we all become a hammer. Don't do this and use this framework uh, and use that. But success is when your data engineer is talking about the purpose. This is an example of John F. Kennedy going to NASA when they were, you know, you're sending and the janitor said, you know, when he asked, what are you doing? He said, I'm sending a man on the moon. That's, that's, the, that's the benchmark for us. That's the challenge. And that is the opportunity that we have as marketers. And that will be success. Um, I'm not saying I'm anywhere close to that, but I'm just saying that is what I challenge myself to hopefully someday get to. And I think the last question you had, Sangram, for me was what challenge am I going to give um, to folks, and I'm I'm going to share this more because I want to learn from all of you uh, in response to this. Is if you can share an example or come up with an idea where you can truly prove um, that the science of marketing, which is you know lower funnel, all the data we have, our understanding of our user, understanding of the performance of each channel, 
and the serendipity and the irrationality of, of the storytelling. How does that amplify each other in more tactical ways? How does your brand effort has impacted your performance, which is acquisition and or retention in a very quantitative way um, where you no longer have to fight emotionally for more investment in top of funnel and building the brand, but you now have a tangible proof point to say when you did that over a four month period, not the, not by evening, because that will be very tactical lower funnel, fear-based, formal-driven marketing. But over a three to four-month period, here is the lift you proved, and hence, that's how you got more money to invest in that. It, it's extremely hard to do. What you're talking about is a discipline and a way of thinking that is very transformative because most marketers, hey, you just want to be celebrated, and versus, no, you think about the, the outcome and, and actually have to tell a story from that. Like, here's how we got there. Beautiful. Mayor, as always, man, always fun chatting with you, but there was some firepower. As you can see, there are like comments still coming in and there are like about 4,000 people who typically would just jump in throughout the week on it. So I'll send you a link if you want to comment in or respond to some of the questions we didn't get a chance to get to. Um, for the folks who are, who are watching this, um, we will be summarizing this in the big community. So if you want to have access to it, just DM me or anybody in the community and uh, they will send you a link. Samir, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thanks for having me over and thanks for all the questions. Awesome. All right, folks, uh, sign off for now. Next Wednesday, same time, 9 a.m., we're going to talk, talk to Sean Herring, where he just completely stumped me and he said, and you're going to love this, he said, dude, I'm getting so much inbound. I don't know if I should do outbound. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is the whole point of B2B shooting outbound. That's what actually Jervis helps you do better. So he totally, like, completely trumped me on that, um, by that response. I'm like, let's just have a conversation. So we're going to have it same time, 9 a.m. with him. So hopefully you will join as well. Love to. All right. See you guys. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.